0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.
1: Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, April 28th. Migrants in danger under Remain in Mexico. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A program to fund legal representation for migrants facing removal proceedings in San Diego County begins today. San Diego is the first southern border county in the U.S. with such a program. County Supervisor Tara Lawson Reamer originally introduced the plan about a year ago. The Immigrant Rights Legal Defense Program is backed by a 2015 study that found that individuals with legal representation are ten times more likely not to be deported compared to those without counsel. Legal representation is often cost prohibitive for many migrants. The program is also aimed at addressing a backlog in immigration courts. San Diego County is pursuing federal dollars to fix stormwater infrastructure to better protect beaches, creeks, and rivers from pollution. The County Board of Supervisors directed the county's chief administrative officer to pursue funding that is available through the Federal Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act passed by Congress in November. Officials say more than $2 billion is available under the new law. More wind for San Diego County today. A wind advisory has been issued for the county's mountain and desert areas. It'll be from 1 p.m. today through midnight. Winds between 20 and 30 miles per hour are expected, with gusts up to 45 miles per hour. That's according to the National Weather Service. They say you should take care out on the roads, especially if you're driving a high-profile vehicle. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
2: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad.
1: It's been four months since a federal lawsuit forced the Biden administration to bring back the controversial Trump-era Remain in Mexico asylum program. It's also known as migrant protection protocols. It forces asylum seekers to live in Mexico while their cases are being adjudicated. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis says people returned to Mexico under this program face a dangerous and demoralizing existence.
0: The 50-year-old man, ended up in the Migrant Protection Protocols program March 4th, and ever since then, he's been scared and on the run, terrified of attracting the attention of Tijuana's criminal element. I spoke to him last week at a Salvation Army shelter exclusively for people in this program. He agreed to an interview, but only if I identified him as the Sad Colombian. I asked him why he picked this unusual name. Why Because we've been trying to find a dream, a dream, an illusion to He's sad because he dreams of entering the U.S., but continues to suffer in Mexico. More than 3,000 people have been sent back to Mexico via Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP, since the Biden administration brought it back in December 2021. More than 900 of them are in Tijuana. Critics say people in the program don't have access to lawyers and face danger while living south of the border. The Sad Colombian says this program is specifically designed to wear people down, so they lose hope and abandon their asylum cases. After a federal judge in Texas forced the Biden administration to bring back the program, officials vowed to correct some of the issues with the original version of MPP. But experts who follow the program, they say it hasn't happened. Here's Aaron reichlin melnick a senior policy counsel for American Immigration Council.
2: None of the fundamental underlying issues created by MPP 1.0 have been solved by the new implementation. Northern Mexico is still a dangerous place for many asylum seekers. There are still very few U.S. lawyers who can assist migrants with their cases. And people still have a lot of insecurity while they wait in Mexico for their
0: hearings. The scarcity of legal representation is a huge problem in Tijuana. None of the people I interviewed at the shelter have been able to find a lawyer. They did get one piece of paper at immigration court with numbers to call for free legal representation, but no one ever picks up, so all they hear is this recorded message.
1: The person at extension, one zero three 3 is unavailable.
0: Julian Newsner is an attorney with Human Rights First. She recently visited the same shelter and was struck by MPP's psychological toll.
3: So, so people are really just afraid to leave, and being stuck in this little shelter all the time um, is 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 really weighing on folks' mental health. Uh, the one one person I spoke with said he had insomnia, and um, he, he showed me he had bags under his eyes. He said, "I never experienced this before. I've never had depression before in my life, and now I can't sleep." Um, so the, I think the mental, the, the impact on, on folks' mental health in this program is, is a really serious issue, too.
0: Complicating things further is the announcement this month that the Biden administration plans to terminate Title 42 as of May 23rd. Title 42 is another Trump-era program designed to limit the number of asylum seekers who can enter the U.S. Using the pandemic as a justification, The policy allows border officials to turn away asylum seekers without having them see a judge first. If Title 42 does indeed go away, experts say it will likely mean that more people will end up in MPP. Reichlin Melnick says migrants enrolled in MPP will technically be better off than they were under Title 42, because at least they'll have a chance to start the asylum case. But still, they'll face an incredibly uphill battle.
2: The reality is is that for two years, there has been effectively no way to seek asylum at the ports of entry.
0: Gustavo Solis, KPBS News.
1: A recent CDC study shows that the number of kindergartners up to date on required vaccinations has slightly fallen. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman explains.
2: The CDC reports 94% of all kindergartners got their required vaccinations during the 2020-2021 school year. That's one percentage point lower compared to the previous year. Stay-at-home orders and other disruptions caused by the pandemic are likely what's behind the small decrease. San Diego County's public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, is encouraging parents to make sure their kids have the vaccinations that could save their lives
4: given the fact that it is uh, National Infant Immunization Week, it's an opportunity to educate parents that, hey, make sure you check in with your doctor, make sure that your child... Uh, gets those uh, um, routine vaccinations.
2: The number of state-required vaccinations depends on a student's age. COVID-19 vaccinations are not on that list, at least not for the upcoming school year.
1: And that was KPBS's health reporter, Matt Hoffman. Those without medical insurance can get their kids vaccinated at a county public health center for free. Every year, the San Diego Housing Commission increases the dollar amount of the housing vouchers it issues to low-income families. But KPBS reporter Claire Trageser says this year the voucher amounts are going way up, giving these families more neighborhoods to choose from.
3: Vouchers are split into three tiers, with more money going to people who live in pricier neighborhoods. But previously, the voucher amounts weren't enough to cover the high rents. Advocates say that changed this year. Here's housing attorney Parisa Ejadi Matsudi. Payment standards have been
4: significantly increased in many neighborhoods with better-performing schools, more
3: opportunities for employment, and less exposure to adverse environmental conditions. The new voucher amounts give families who qualify for assistance a chance to move to more desirable parts of the city. For example, a family who wanted to live in University City gets $3,000 a month, about $1,000 less than average rents in the area. Last year, they would have only received around $2,200 a month.
1: And that was KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregasser. A San Diego Housing Commission spokesman sent a statement saying its voucher program, quote, has been shown successful at providing households more options to live in neighborhoods of their choice. San Diego wants to shrink the number of dockless scooter companies in the city. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says it's part of an overhaul of scooter regulations meant to improve safety.
3: The updated rules would prohibit riders from parking scooters or shared bikes anywhere but in designated parking areas off the sidewalk. And companies would have to get a lot faster at moving illegally parked devices. The city is currently picking which companies it wants to keep and which to kick out. Councilmember Jen Campbell says the early days of dockless scooters were a mess.
4: The vast use of them proved their popularity but also showed the need for the regulatory framework. And I'm very happy that we will limit the number of companies.
3: A city council committee endorsed the updated rules Wednesday. The full city council is expected to vote on them in the next few months. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News.
1: With wildfire season around the corner, San Diego Gas and Electric is working on several microgrids to help firefighters in the backcountry get ready. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has more about backup power for the Ramona Air Attack Base.
4: SDG&E's Ramona microgrid is one of four providing backup power to places like hospitals and gas stations in rural areas of San Diego County. The Air Attack Base is home to CAL FIRE and U.S. Forest Service's aerial firefighting equipment. The microgrid will power the base with a battery storage system. Fernando Valero
0: is with SDG&E. As part of our wildfire mitigation plan, we propose a set of investments that, you know, A, help prevent ignition of wildfire and then mitigate the impacts of public safety power shutoff.
3: In January,
4: SDG&E customers saw a rate increase of 11.4% in their bill that the company says is due to a higher cost for energy, clean energy projects, and wildfire mitigation efforts. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News.
1: Coming up on the podcast, long COVID is impacting kids and teens too. We have that story and more next, just after the break. known about long COVID in children and teenagers suggest that it can be just as disabling for them as it is for older adults. In Los Angeles, KPCC's health reporter Jackie Fortier spoke to one family who connected the dots before the doctors.
3: On a Monday morning last August, 15-year-old Lucas Garcia was getting ready to leave his family's apartment for the second week of his sophomore year.
1: Everything
2: seemed normal, but shortly after we were about to walk out the door, I started feeling sick and I started running
3: to the restroom. Lucas and his parents thought it may have been food poisoning, but a test at a local urgent care confirmed it was COVID. Here's Lucas's dad, Robert Garcia.
0: The doctor starts to go into, you know, keep him at home for two weeks. When he was telling me this, I could not believe what I was hearing.
3: He was shocked because the entire Garcia family had already had COVID once in December of 2020. Now that they were all fully vaccinated, Robert couldn't believe that Lucas contracted COVID again.
0: That's what was hard when he would ask, you know, when will I get better? And the doctors and mom and I were like we don't know.
3: Lucas suffered at home from severe head and body aches. He became so sensitive to sound that he asked his parents to whisper. The TV was too bright to watch. Walking to the bathroom left him exhausted. As the weeks dragged on, his father recognized the symptoms.
0: Both me and my wife had long COVID. Uh, For me, it felt like months.
3: Long COVID is a term devised by patients to describe the lingering symptoms they experience well after the initial infection. Symptoms vary widely, but include fatigue, cognitive problems, anxiety, depression, and insomnia, as well as heart, lung, and gastrointestinal symptoms. Lucas had almost all of these symptoms for months.
2: There was no visible sign of me getting better until I got to Children's Hospital, and then they said you know, we specialize in this sort of thing. So there's a chance we can help you. And just a small chance was a miracle to me at that time.
4: Lucas was extremely worried how long his symptoms would last. Would they ever go away? And would he be sick forever?
3: Dr. Sindo Mohandas is a pediatric infectious disease specialist at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. She treats children who have long COVID.
4: So having seen other patients in our clinic, we are First of all, able to offer some perspective about how the other children have been doing and provide hope that even though these symptoms seem to be all-consuming at present, there is hope that with time, they will resolve.
3: Coronavirus infections vary widely. Some people have relatively mild symptoms, more like a cold, particularly if they have been vaccinated. For others, the infection is potentially life-threatening. About 1 million people have died from COVID in the US alone. But anyone, no matter the severity of their initial illness, even those who are young and healthy, can develop long COVID. Dr. Mohandas says her youngest long COVID patient is just nine months old.
4: There is no direct pharmacological treatment for long COVID. So the other important thing that we do in our clinic is uh, suggest lifestyle modification, especially given this severe degree of fatigue.
3: Mohandas estimates between 10 to 20 percent of children infected with the coronavirus will develop long COVID. In L.A. County, that could mean thousands of kids.
4: I think you have to understand these are long symptoms. It's months and sometimes more than a year to resolve symptoms.
3: Lucas ended up missing three months of school, finally returning in November, though he says the brain fog continued. It
2: was extremely hard at first to even just read simply, but every week it just got better and better. But now it's significantly improved.
3: It took six months before Lucas felt like his normal self. Now he's part of a nationwide study to better understand the condition in children. Dr. Mohandas says the best way to avoid long COVID is to get children vaccinated.
4: So they decrease the chances of getting long COVID. If there was a breakthrough infection and someone did go on to have long COVID after vaccine, the number of symptoms they have is nearly halved.
3: In the coming months, Dr. Mohandas expects to see more children in her clinic with undiagnosed long COVID, as well as families
1: hoping for answers. And that was KPCC's Jackie Fortier. A bill intended to reverse California's growing shortage of behavioral health care workers was approved by the Senate Education Committee on Wednesday. But it's getting some pushback from state colleagues. CAP Radio's Steve Milney explains.
2: The measure requires California community colleges and the California State University System to develop accelerated programs for degrees in Master of Social Work, or MSW. Students would be able to combine undergraduate study with graduate work. But Mary Moyle with CSU says that conflicts with accreditation standards.
0: We're just very concerned that these changes will actually slow down any efforts to expand the number of MSW grads quickly.
2: The bill's author, Democratic Senator Scott Wiener, says he's willing to make changes. We want it to work and we welcome feedback. But the reality is that we are have a, this profound shortage over the next decade is going to get much worse, and we have to ramp up these degree programs. The bill goes next to the Senate Appropriations Committee. In Sacramento, I'm Steve Milne.
1: And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at KPBS.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.